God's beloved people. Once upon a time, there was a wise pastor who possessed a powerful but unusual gift. Every time he prayed with people, they would lose all their religious convictions. So he learned to limit himself to preaching, inspiring sermons, and doing good works. One day, the preacher found himself in conversation with a powerful and ruthless businessman who was honored by his colleagues and respected by his adversaries. And their conversation began because the businessman had noticed the preacher reading from the Bible. And as they chatted together, this powerful man told the preacher all about his faith and his love for God. And he spoke how his work really didn't define who he was, but was simply what he had to do. It's a dog-eat-dog -dog world, he told the preacher. And in my line of work, I find myself in situations that absolutely challenge my Christian convictions. But I try as much as possible to remain true to my faith. I attend church every Sunday. I teach Sunday school, and I even contribute to a weekly Bible study. These activities continue to remind me of who I really am. And after listening carefully to the businessman's story, the preacher began to recognize the purpose of his unseemly gift. So he turned to the businessman and said, Would you allow me to pray for you? And sure enough, after pre the preacher muttered a simple prayer, the man opened his eyes in astonishment. What a fool I've been for all these years to think that there was actually a God who cared about me, that there was holy scriptures that would guide me and some kind of spirit that would protect me. And as they parted company, the businessman, still confused about what just happened, went home. But now he had no longer did he have religious beliefs. He began to find it increasingly difficult to continue in his line of work, faced with the fact that now he was just a cold-hearted businessman working in a corrupt system rather than a man of God, he began to despise his activity. Within months, he gave up his line of work completely and feeling better about himself, then he went on to use his considerable managerial experience to challenge the system he once participated in and to help those who had been oppressed by it. Years later, he happened upon this preacher again, and he, he ran over and began to weep with joy. And eventually, he choked out the words, Thank you for helping me discover my faith. Parables are little stories not just with a point, but with a skewer. And Jesus loves to tell them. He pokes holes in all of our illusions in order for us to let out our hot air about our sense of control of our own lives and poke a hole in those illusions to let the Holy Spirit's healing breath in. This parable speaks to one of the largest challenges we face as people who believe and doubt and question this faith thing. And that challenge is figuring out what role does faith play in our lives. 
How does what happens here on the weekend make a difference to what we do the other 167 hours of our week when we're not here? What does it mean to be a church that doesn't have walls? Or for Nicodemus, what does it mean to be faithful and not a nitpicky Pharisee? Our gospel text that God so loved the world reminds us that it is this world where God has chosen to be at work, creating, making whole, and sustaining God's people in all that we do. And it's these very ordinary spheres of life where we eat and where we work and where we live that God comes among us and calls us to serve. The wind blows where it wills. Our focus this week is breath. The wind blows, blowing where it chooses. The, the word wind, meaning spirit, meaning breath, it's the same word in the Bible. And John, the gospeler, uses it in all the different layers. It's so important to learn, to slow down and learn our natural tendency to manage and control and bargain our way through life. We learn it when we're little children. And we also apply what we learn when we're very young to our relationship with God. Nicodemus, like you and I, likes to control and influence every part of his life. So this talk of wind and spirit and God's breath, well, these sound way too unpredictable to Nicodemus and to you and I, if we're honest. Pastor Rob Bell teaches his congregation about the name of God, one of the names of God in scriptures. And in, in the Hebrew language, which, which reads, um, instead of reading this way, it reads from the right to the left. Did you take Hebrew in seminary? Yeah. It was one of those required things. Different alphabet, different direction. And, and the Hebrew that we're deciphering doesn't have vowels. It's just consonants. And the consonants in the name that, that you cannot speak God's name, but the consonants where when Moses says, well, who do I say sends me? It's Yahweh. The consonants, Yod, He, Vav, and He. Yod, he, vav, he. Yod, he, vav, he. And Rob Bell suggests that the name of God sounds like breathing. And he asks, could it be that every time that we breathe in and breathe out, we're calling God's name, that God is that close and that intimate? Divine breath is in all of of living things. So, if we who are the receivers of divine breath treat someone else disrespectfully, does it mean we're treating God disrespectfully? And if we do things with love and care for others, does that mean that we are bringing God's creative power to bear on that person? Each week during Lent, 
There's this certain path that the church has walked for since ancient of times. In the Lenten disciplines of giving and praying and subtracting or fasting, we like to try those out in our practice, in our walk during the week. This week, can I encourage you to fast from words, to take some quiet time every day, simply just to breathe deeply. This is how we do it with our confirmants. We invite you to put your feet flat on the floor. We invite you to slide back in the pew so your back and your neck and your head are in a straight line. And sometimes it's helpful to close your eyes. Kids say, where should I put my hands? Usually in your lap. But for beginners, I, in, I invite you to put one hand on your tummy. So when you breathe in, you feel your tummy go out. We're breathing from our diaphragm. And as you breathe in, breathe in God's presence. And breathe out the need to control. Breathe in ongoing transformation. And breathe out what diminishes your life. Breathe in creativity and experimentation. Breathe out safety and certainty. Breathe in a sense that all will be well. Breathe out hurry and worry. Breathe in a sense of impending adventure. Breathe out the fear of forgetting our past. Breathe in, as Heidi Kerskus suggested Wednesday, breathe in to connect you to the now. Breathe out, as Carolyn Bostrek shared on Wednesday, to let go of control and fill your cup. Breathe in. And breathe out. No, we can't control the breath, the spirit. But this week, may you come to see that God's spirit is being born anew in you. May you come to see that God blows grace into every nook and cranny of your life. And as you slow down and become attentive to your breath, May you notice the windy spirit of God in your work, in your play, and in your home. Amen.